I would put a starting bid for the shoes. My dad would help me negotiate with the bankers out of New York, essentially, as who my clients were. So here I am, 16 years old, like behind a computer, uh, bidding with a banker out of New York City. I don't know. I think it's really easy to get locked in the ego-centered self, but feeling that bigger identity, you start to realize that this world is here to support your life. Monday, Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you guys have enjoyed your weekend. I hope that everything is going great for you guys. A few housekeeping items before I introduce my next guest. As you guys know, both of my books are out. The 10 Laws of Sales, the Sales Genius book, and both of those courses are out, ready to rock. Virtual Assistant University is also out. So if you're looking for a way to apply your sales skills, make some extra money for the holidays, Uh, and escape the nine to five if that's what you're trying to do virtual assistant university is your course so make sure that you guys go check those out the link is in the description of this podcast below Uh, landing page coming soon for all of those so stay tuned for that i really hope you guys enjoy these podcast episodes if you do share them with your friends uh share them on social media my facebook group the thinking project is uh, rapidly growing you can share your businesses and your entrepreneurial journeys on there you can share your podcast your own groups on there everything um, i just recently turned on everybody can post so uh, go take advantage of that go share go engage in that group Uh, and make sure you're following me on twitter dalton k jensen and with all that being said uh, today's guest was zach bond who is an amazing individual. We had a great conversation. Zach is actually a tech sales leader, a mindfulness consultant, and a lifelong student of consciousness expansion. He's a certified MBSR teacher and integral facilitator. We talk about all that on this episode. He was a great guest. I really enjoyed my time with him. So without further ado, Zach Bond, please share this with your friends and thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. All right. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Oh, dude, I'm doing great, bro. I'm doing so good. I like your mug. I got mine already. It's Santa's helper. Okay, nice. Got my... California mug from Starbucks. So. <laughs> Heck yeah, Heck I also yeah. have a special guest with me today. Oh, there you go. Oh, what a He's cute dog. hanging out in the background. <laughs> so I just woke him up. That's from his awesome. Nap. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Dude. Well, how's everything going, brother? It's going pretty well. Just ended my uh, my work day today, so um, had a few demos of the product. Um, did a little bit of a little bit of managing, and then uh, met up with a friend of mine who is graduating from BYU Law um, for lunch today. So overall, had a great day. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad it's all over now. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can only imagine. I feel the same way. Uh, sales is one of those things. It's almost like you're never done with sales. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. There's always something <laughs> more be, to do. Yeah. 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 And I was going to say, it's like, but you almost have to be like, you got to, it's hard for me. I don't know about you. Maybe we can get into that on the podcast, but mm-hmm. like, it's all, sometimes it's hard for me to like turn it off. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, totally. I got to get this done. 
Mm-hmm. Well, especially I'm sure you, uh, you resonate like as like a high performer, you know, someone who likes to go yeah. above and beyond. And then, you know, with that mindset, you almost never rest. You, you absolutely have to set boundaries for yourself, right? Or else you never will. Yeah. So I resonate with that. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, cool, brother. So, hey, real quick, we're rolling. Um, <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, uh, awesome. so because I, I, uh, I schedule it on Facebook and Facebook like shuts it down. Um, 10 minutes, like you have like a 10 minute window. And so I was like, oh, I'll just start. So we don't time out. And then, uh, and then when he jumps on, we'll just roll, man. So, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> sounds good to me. Cool. Hey, dude. So I, I got your um, thing and I wanted to start the podcast kind of at the beginning. But you mentioned, you know, we were talking before this and and you had written it down that you started your entrepreneurial journey selling shoes to businessmen online. Tell me more. Tell me more about that, dude. Yeah. So that's, that's a, that's an interesting, um, interesting background, interesting story. So I grew up in North Carolina, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And my dad is a pharmaceutical rep for Eli Lilly, which is a big pharmaceutical company. And he's been doing that for about 30 years now. And uh, my great grandfather invented the coal bit. So our family is very entrepreneurial. Um, my dad started this online shoe business when I was 16 years old. So he became really good friends with a store owner, a used sh- uh, shoe store owner in North Carolina near our house. And this guy was retiring. And my dad asked the owner for his contact for who he gets all of his shoes from. And the contact was the CEO of Allen Edmonds. Have you heard of Allen Edmonds? Yeah. Oh yeah. Who hasn't heard? They're great shoes. Yeah. Oh, do you have a pair? <laughs> I don't have a pair, but I mean, I know that, I mean, I've been in like the business, like, you know, the formal shoe wear. Right. And I've yeah. seen, you know what I mean? I bought formal shoes yeah. and Allen Edmonds are great. Don't they have a off topic? Don't they have like a lifetime warranty or something? Yeah, like I, not really a not really a lifetime warranty, but they do oh. recrafting, like they'll recraft oh, the shoes. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so you yeah, can essentially have your shoes like for for the entire life and just get them recrafted every now and then. That's pretty sweet. Okay, but keep going. You you yeah. You know, so owner of he Allen got for this for the CEO of Allen Edmonds, and he called the CEO, asked him to ship the shoes to our house instead of the old contacts house and the CEO said, oh. yes. <laughs> so we started getting all of these shipments and what they are, are story turns and factory seconds of Alan Edmonds. And so they started an online, my stepmom and my dad started an online shoe company called Steve's name brand shoes on eBay. And they're still around. Um, so if anybody, you know, needs a pair of Alan Edmonds discounted price, Steve's name brand shoes is uh, the name of his store. And so he was very kind of ahead of the times when it comes to like e-commerce and like eBay and things like that. And I also was always interested in, you know, I had long mowing businesses growing up, car wash, dog sitting, you know, I'm sure that you had something similar. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I told my dad, I said, Hey, I will buy all of the lower quality shoes off of you. Cause he only wanted the a or B quality shoes on his website. So essentially yeah. he sold me the C quality shoes and I sold them on my own website. It was just Z bond at the time. And so, um, I would put a starting bid for the shoes, 
my dad would help me negotiate with the bankers out of New York, essentially as who my clients were. So here I am yeah. 16 years old, like behind a computer, uh, bidding with a banker out of New York City, um, <laughs> trying to get the most out of a pair of loafers or a pair of, you know, park <laughs> avenues. So yeah, that's kind of how it all got started. Dude, that is sweet. I feel like every good entrepreneurial journey and like sales journey starts with one of those. Cause when you said shoes, um, mine wasn't shoes, mine was ties. So I lived in, I grew up in Iowa and we lived right next to Nauvoo, Illinois. And so during the summertime, back then Nauvoo still had a pageant, like for the LDS church, they had a Mormon pageant and um, like a Joseph Smith pageant. And people would come like from everywhere. I mean, Nauvoo was like a ghost town until the, the summertime when this pageant started. And um, if you're familiar with Nauvoo, like the temple is right here, but then it's on Mulholland Street and they have a Zion's Mercantile right across the street. So it's like the temple, the bank and then Zion's Mercantile. But when I grew up, there was nothing there. Uh, and so I would pitch a tent and my mom got secondhand ties, like all store pull ties, all the ties no one wanted. Um, and I would line them up and I would sell them to people who wanted to go to church or like to the temple, but they didn't have a tie and people nice. thought that you needed a tie to go to the temple. And nice. I, <laughs> and I just capitalized on it and nice. uh, sold a ton of ties. And so that was a lot of fun. That's a great, mm -hmm. it's a great little way though. Everybody's got that little gig, you know? Dude, I can, you're a born hustler. I can tell <laughs> finding opportunity in the little things and doing it for good. Right. I mean, Hey, yeah. ties are great. You know, people wanted to wear them. So there you go. Yeah. And we were selling it, you know, and it was like, and people were like, and then, and then what's cool is, you know, um, I'm sitting out there like in a tent. And so people were pretty nice. You know, that's the other kind of cool thing. That's when I learned though, what's up everybody. I wanted to interrupt this podcast to let you know about a new course that I recently launched called starting your own virtual assistant agency. And it's absolutely wonderful. It worked wonders for me. Uh, it made me over 1500 bucks a month in steady income that I could do on the side. And this course is for everybody who wants to network. Maybe you're a stay at home parent. Maybe you want to break into another industry. This is exactly how you do it. I'm going to teach you how to start it up, how to land your first client, negotiate first deal, uh, what skills you need, all that good stuff. You can find the link for that in the description below of this podcast. And when you use code think 10, you can save 10% off any package on top of all of that. When you buy a package, you get lifetime updates absolutely free and really it's the most affordable way to start a business so what are you waiting for click that link in the description below and i'll see you guys on the other side that sales has karma and you never okay. pass up like a lemonade stand or or a little kid ah, selling something on the side of the road you just, if you're i believe in that i, I might, yeah. might be crazy but i believe it like if you're a salesman and you pass up a lemonade stand that's bad juju Totally. I mean, that goes into the law of abundance, right? Like when yeah. giving and receiving two sides of the same coin, once you enter into that field of giving, you also yeah. enter into the field of receiving. So that's amazing. You understood that at a young age. Yeah. So, um, but it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, and I'm sure like shoes, it's always good. Like I don't, I, you know, and now they have whole, I mean, back when you and I were doing it, I, I, at least I don't remember it. Like I didn't grow up in a town that had like a Ross or like Nordstrom's rack, but now these, now there's companies, that's all they do is sell store pulls yeah. and secondhand. You know what I mean? Definitely. So it's yeah. like TJ Maxx, stuff like that. 
So that's gnarly, bro. But but tell us more about like you and your story. Like, what do you have going on right now? Um, I know you're in sales. I know you're um, in the in the mindfulness and meditation, and you specifically help people, uh, you know, become present in these things. So tell us like what you got going on. Absolutely. I'll just go ahead and continue the story, uh, you know, going from yeah. high school and, and how I made it here today. So I was a big football player and lacrosse player in high school. And uh, my dad went to BYU, Brigham Young University, and he really wanted me to go to that school. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid, you know, he always said, I'll, you can go anywhere you want, but I'll help pay for you to go to BYU. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> now right. looking back, yeah, it was a business decision, right? Um, I did get recruited to play lacrosse at BYU. And so that, that really helped. And I always, it was a dream of mine to play college sports. And so when the, um, lacrosse coach reached out, asked me to come to a tryout, you know, I was, I was floored and just really grateful to be given the opportunity. Um, and during that tryout, um, I had to go against some of the starters and it was like, started at like 5 a.m. Um, I had to drive up from West Jordan. So it was about an hour drive. So I got up super early, was really tired when I got there, but I had this weird surge of just crazy energy whenever I put my pads on and I knew that I had to go against these starters. Um, it was like something deep in my soul that was like, this is your chance. Mm. You know, like, this is, this is make, make or break for you, Zach. And so I'm a face-off specialist in the lacrosse. So I basically had to do face-offs, which is where they put the ball in the middle of the field and you have to fight to get possession of the ball. And uh, you have to have a high percentage win rate. And I ended up beating all the starters. Um, I just got off my mission from Paris, France. So I was not in good shape, um, but I, I had more drive. I wanted it more than all the other players. And so I ended up making the team. I got into BYU. Um, and while I was serving a mission in Paris, France, I started to come up against some anxiety and um, I had heard about meditation. And so I was a I was a leader in France and I was traveling a lot, going on trains and I had time on my hands just to kind of look out the window and just kind of reflect. And that's when I really started practicing, you know, mindfulness and meditation. I would just look at one object out the window, like a tree or a car. And the speed of the trains in Europe are such that uh, it's, it's very relaxing to me. It's just to be able to look out the window, look at one object and follow it. It's very meditative. So I started doing it just kind of naturally. When I came home from my mission and went to BYU, was playing on the team, I felt even more like anxiety because I was a student athlete. I wanted to get good grades. I got an internship at American Express and then Franklin Covey. So I was doing like three or four things at a time. I was an RA or a Heritage Hall. Mm. So I was doing a lot, man. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I ran into Tim Ferriss. And um, are you kind of familiar with Tim Ferriss's podcast? And his, his yeah, stuff? yeah, I love Tim yeah. Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. So everything. So I read his book Tools of Titans, and in that book, the one of the main um, connections of all of the highly successful and happy people is that they had a mindfulness practice of some sort. And you know how Tim Ferriss is. He likes to uh, <laughs> yeah. really like siphon it down to like, what is like, what, what are the essentials to get the most bang for your buck, the best ROI? And uh, for him, it was sitting 21 minutes a day consistently. Mm -hmm. And so in 20, end of 2013, I started sitting, practicing meditation. I call it sitting um, for 21 minutes a day. And where I was just mm -hmm. following my breath, 
I was just being aware of the thoughts that were coming in, the feelings that I had. I didn't push them away. So it was really a, uh, a breath awareness, MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, John Kabat-Zinn type of uh, style of meditation. I did that for four years. Did that for four years until about 2017 um, when I was about to graduate from BYU. Um, I decided to do a backpacking trip to Europe. Um, and then I had an unfortunate event that happened um, in my career right when I graduated from, from BYU that led me to do my first meditation retreat. And that retreat was held by the Two Arrows Zen uh, Center here in Salt Lake City, Utah with Michael Zimmerman, who is a, was a Utah Supreme Court justice for, for a long time. So that's kind of what led me to you know, the meditation mindfulness part. Yeah, that's that's sweet, man. You know what? Uh, the first time I was really blown away um, by like what meditation could do for you and when I really wanted to try it. Are you familiar? Because it's a beautiful story. And when you're talking about trains and you're talking about like finding ways to reduce stress, like, you know, meditation is the best way to do it, I think. Um, or at least, you know, uh, at least you shouldn't take it off the menu. Let's just say that because I, I understand like some people need medication and I'm not against that. but I do right. think that like, I do think that you should keep it on the menu. And when I found out about meditation, like, and I really started taking it seriously, are you familiar with Mike Posner? He's a, he's a rapper. You yes, well, not singer, singer, yeah. singer, pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pop singer. He did like the, um, uh, uh, he had a bunch of good songs, but he kind of not turned into, but he kind of started coming into the meditation space and he was on, um, I think he was on impact theory with Tom Bilyeu and okay. he told a story about when he goes on this like silent retreat where like you can't talk for seven days or something. Yeah. And you're just alone by yourself and in this cabin or whatever. He, he said he did it in Colorado, but anyway, the coolest part of the story was he got there the first day and this is the part that hit me. And he was like, I was quiet. Uh, it was, I was alone. And he goes, and as I was being quiet, my mind started making up things for me to do. And then he goes, how many, how many of our goals and things do we come up with simply because like, we can't just be in a room alone. And that goes on with another quote that like all of man's problems stem from them not being able to sit in a room quietly by themselves. And I was like, Holy crap, man. For me, that was like it. I was like, it. that is so, I was like, I do so many things because I just can't be still. And, um, and it changed my, it changed my whole life. And I, I heard that funny enough, probably around the same time, 2016, 2017, although really? I was still in college, I was still in college. Um, yeah. You know, I was actually just starting, but it was mm -hmm. cool. It was really no, fun. That's, do you know what type of retreat that he was, you said it was a silent, a silent seven day. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he was doing or, um, I mean, he said it, I'm sure, but I don't remember off the top of my head. So, no, but it was cool. That. Like that's yeah. part of it. Right. I mean, oh. at the beginning, at the beginning of your meditation uh, journey, how did you overcome that? You know, maybe it wasn't a hurdle for you, but if it was, tell us how you overcame it. And if it wasn't, tell us how, you know, you kind of get over that, but that thing, you can't sit still, you, your mind starts oh, racing. Totally. Yeah. Oh, Michael, Michael Zimmerman, the guy I was referring to, he, he actually calls it, you know, the monkey mind, right? You yes. sit down and the monkey mind 
um, the thinking mind is is always trying to find something else to do, always trying to improve your situation, always trying to desire for something next. So I personally believe that we have a few different aspects of our mind, um, a few different parts of our mind that all need a certain amount of attention. And so to bring it back to my story, when I first started, I told you that I I was witnessing a lot of stress in my body. And that led me to, it's funny because that stress led me to sit still. And when I sat still, the stress was still there, but it was almost like it was more acute than it was before. So it was, it was louder when I sat down, but yet the more I felt it and the more I kind of like allowed it to be there. I took on a different identity. I took on a part of Zach that could actually hold a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like there were two parts of me. And I want to come back to this this aspect because I think one of my heroes, Eckhart Tolle, talks about this. But it was almost like there were two parts of me. The, The Zach that was feeling stressed and there seemed to be something causing the stress. And then the Zach that could kind of take a back step and look at it all and kind of hold space for it all. And in that holding space for the stress, I felt it strongly, even stronger than I did when I wasn't sitting. But it was almost like I was kind of letting the air out of a balloon, just very slowly letting that air out as I was feeling the strength of the stress and feeling it in my body and in my mind. The longer I would sit, I I realized that to the end of my 21 minutes that I was like, it's okay. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah, maybe Mm -hmm. I still have some of that stress with me, but, but it's going to be okay. So there was a certain okayness that developed through practicing meditation and mindfulness to where I am today. I don't feel stressed that often, hardly ever. Like kind of the states that, that I'm in today are more like joy, peace, bliss, fulfillment, happiness. And there are moments that I feel it, but it's kind of like, very sporadic and and I'm able to look at it and feel it. And then it just kind of go, goes away and I go back into a different field of, of awareness, but definitely at the beginning, man, I think that's what drives a lot of people to practice, whether it's walking, it doesn't have to be seated, silent meditation. We don't have to get mm-hmm. dogmatic about that. It can be whatever your form of like mindfulness is, or of being the witnesser, as I like to say, like when, when you're in those modes of being the witnesser, you're able to witness the stress and be okay with it. Yeah. I think I like that you brought up like that. There's different forms of meditation. Um, I, I I do sitting meditation every once in a while, but I also have like mad ADHD. So I combat that with, (laughs) uh, I combat that with journaling. Oh yeah. So I do a lot of like writing as well. So uh, one of the ways that I came overcame that was uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. And it really helps. Like for me, I get to, I keep the same, I keep all the same note cards. They're little, like they're little. Note oh, cards nice. and, um, okay. Yeah. And so they're kind of all over the place. Cause I get really like picky about books that I write in, but note cards I'll just scribble on and, and I keep them. But for me, I get to like go through every day. Um, and I get to just see, and what I, what I call it is like my brain dump. I get really stressed and I'm like, all right, what's stressing me out? It feels like there's a million things in my head, but I write them down and there's like two or three. And then, and then the next question is, can you control it? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. And then that brings me a lot of like, you know what I mean? Then I can be like, okay, 
I just need to let this go. It's going to play out. It's not going to kill me. You knock on wood, right? <laughs> but, but it's probably not going to kill me. And uh, we'll yeah. move on from it. You know what I mean? And and uh, so, wa- yeah, walking, riding the train. I grew up yeah. I grew up in the Midwest. We we ro- rode trains all the time. Like really? the, the Amtrak. Like that's how we uh-huh. got some places. We'd go across. Like, yeah. I, I, t- I took in the... I've taken the Amtrak to like Oregon and Iowa and then we Illinois and all around. Wow. I didn't know it was they're, that they're, there. Yeah. The well, uh, it's, it's almost, so my, my mom taught me that if you have, you know, if you don't have time and you have money fly, if you have time and you don't have a lot of money, or if you just want to take the time, then take a train like Amtrak is more accessible than than planes for the most part and right. in the midwest there's not a lot of airports there like if okay. you want to get like kansas parts parts of iowa but yeah. a train will come right into random cities like there'll be wow. a train there if there's not wow. an airport there's a train station <laughs> so it's great kind of cool oh, that's <laughs> kind of cool. cool uh <laughs> you know what you know what everybody should do once in their life okay i'm gonna go off topic now that we're talking about trains totally. everybody should take the amtrak from Oregon, like the top of Washington, Oregon, all the way down and see the West Coast on a train. Beautiful. That would be amazing. It's un, it's it's unreal. But uh, that's where I heard about Burning Man for the first time. About in Oregon? On a, <laughs> no, no, no. On an Amtrak train. Oh, they were all going to like everybody in the observation car was going to Burning no. Man. Yeah. I was, like, uh, I was like 16 they or 17. Hats on. <laughs> Dude, they had they were had everything on and some people had everything off and <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah jewels they and were, crystals the whole nine yards they're yeah. telling me about everything I'm 16 I'm like I don't know what you guys are talking about <laughs> have, man. You have you done what? it have I've you never done it no I've, I've never done yeah. burning yeah. me neither but <laughs> but, oh. but I uh but I've had a like a lot of really close friends do it apparently one of the things that my friend told me was like, they don't, there's no money in Burning Man. They trade like resources. Oh yeah. They do the barter system. Yeah. 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 So they trade like water and food and other things like that. Well, that's, that's you know, cool. they say that's what we did when we were hunter gatherers. So I think they're just trying to go back to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me bring it back. You, one cool. of the things that you talk about in, um, you know, when you talk about meditation and, and uh, that you brought up was finding your finding purpose. Right. And, 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 and to tie into that, to give that question a little more context, you also talk about it, You know, when you were mentioning handling the stress uh, you mentioned the word peace and that's kind of what I like to talk to people about is like, you don't have to be happy all the time, but you can have peace. Like I can have peace during really sh- during hard times. Right. Even though I might not be happy about what's going on. Um, how how do you help people discover their purpose? That's like a big question, but what yeah, do you think? What no, do you think it boils down to? I love that. I love that. There's a few questions in there. So I'll ask you, I'll answer that one first. Um, how do I help people find their purpose? It's such a popular topic today. Like if you go on YouTube, there are so many videos. And if you posted this video and said how to find your purpose, like you'd get a shit ton of views, you know, just because you're using that language. And yeah, so yeah. I just want to preface it with there's so much information out there on like how to find your life's purpose. And I think that we can all get lost 
in finding our life's purpose. Um, and so I definitely, I do want to talk about that for me specifically. I was, I was always trying to find that. I think three or four years ago, you know, naturally graduating from college, like what am I going to do next equals what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Right. I mean, that's kind of what the idea they plant in your mind in college. It's like, you have to get the best <laughs> job, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, for me, finding my purpose and helping other people find their purpose, it has a lot to do with identity. Mm -hmm. So I am a certified integral facilitator, which means that I do facilitation based on Ken Wilber's integral theory. So just a very brief explanation of Ken Wilber's integral theory, which has to do with human development. So his model of human development is that there are a few different levels of identification. Egocentric is identification with ourself. Ethnocentric is identification with a community, whether that's um, a state you live in or a neighborhood you live in or a race or a gender, whatever group of people that you identify with, that's ethnocentrism. So that's the second mode of development. The third is world centric. So identifying with the world that you live in. So in this instance would be maybe earth or whatever world you live in. Um, the fourth level of development is a cosmic centered identity. So there is a guy I follow on, on YouTube. His name is Saad Guru. And he talks about mm -hmm. how in India. I got his book. You got his book. Which one? I got, uh, hold on, let me see. Saad Guru Karma. Karma. Yeah. That's the one he just came out with. Yeah. We yeah. were just talking about karma too earlier. <laughs> yeah. um, but he talks about this cosmic centered identity which when he was a kid in India, growing up in elementary school, you know how, you know, growing up, we would do the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, mm -hmm. to, to the flag, you know, America, they would do a cosmic centered uh, pledge. Like I am, a, I am a member of the cosmos. Like I'm a part of this big, wide cosmos and the earth is just a part of that. And when inside of that earth is our ethnocentric, our family, our friends, so even smaller circle. And then even smaller than that is our ego-centered self, is, our, is, is the self. And so I think, so bringing it back to this purpose question, like with that sort of understanding of like how big the world is and how big, you know, not just earth, but like the cosmos, everything, how, how big it is and how small, how small we are in relation to that teeny, 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 tiny, right? And so starting with a cosmic identity. So really embodying that identity and including everything around you in that identity, that is the best place for someone to find their purpose. From that identity, they ask, how can I be of service to this world? How can I be of service to my family, my, my friends, my group of people around me? And how can I be of service to, to myself? So finding your purpose, I think, first requires a cosmic identity, which takes time, evolution, um, all sorts of different, you know, techniques. I call it by grace. It kind of just happens to you as well. Like it just kind of you just start to think a little bit bigger than just yourself, essentially. Mm -hmm. So starting mm -hmm. with that identity is a great place for people to, to find their purpose in life. Mm -hmm. That's pretty sweet. So you mentioned um, getting people getting lost in finding their purpose. And when, yeah, when I say that, I think why I say that is because a lot of the times when they ask the question, um, what's my purpose in life, they're coming from the egocentric self. 
So they're, they're just like, Hey, how can I like make the most money? How can I make the biggest impact? How can I, how can I become bigger essentially? And that's where I think people get lost is because the answer to that question is it can vary. It can be like, all right, work for this company and work as hard as you can to create your own company, then sell it for millions of dollars, become a billionaire like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Like that is like the path egocentrism is like automatically goes to like that instead of thinking, how can I be of service in the world? Because I have a much bigger identity than just myself. So I think that we often get lost in that question when we think that we know everything. And when we think that we're super important, the grand scheme of life, like we're not that important at the same time, we're extremely important for the evolution of consciousness. I like to say, so we are very important, but from a cosmic centered purpose, like we are a, such a small speck in the universe that can just go away in the blink of an eye. Yeah. How do you, cause now I agree with you. Like I, I, one of the schools of philosophy that I really gravitate towards is stoicism and they kind of have similar, right. We, we all kind of have similar, most schools of philosophy have this kind of idea that you're a speck. You're in the, you know, we could die at any minute. How do you, taking what you just said, how do you combat like the nihilism that might come with that? Like, I love that. You know, throw it all that. away. Why does it matter? Right. Yeah. You're a very good interviewer because that that's a great segue <laughs> to the next question because that it does, it can often go there. Mm-hmm. Um, so nihilism. But I think if, if I can just say this, Dalton, I think that nihilism and over optimism are part of the same identity. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. That, yeah. I think that you're just staying in the ego centered stuff. Like I'm either all important or I'm a pile of shit. Right. <laughs> and it's like, hold on, yeah, yeah, yeah. hold on. You, you can be both. <laughs> and in fact, you are. Both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think, I think it's that it's being humble and realizing that you're a part of something so much bigger and how wonderful that is. Like, how wonderful that I don't have to have the answer to everything and I can continue breathing in oxygen. Sorry. I can keep breathing in oxygen and we are brought to you guys by Sheffield cider. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I love taste testing this cider. It's one of my personal favorites and every guest that I bring on who tries it with me, says the same thing. And they finally partnered with us so that you can share Sheffield cider with those that you love. Sheffield cider is a crisp, organic, artisan, non-alcoholic cider that comes from fresh apples right out of Sheffield Farms in Mesa, Washington. It really doesn't get better than this. So when you use code THINK10, you'll save 10% off a full case of Sheffield cider. So make sure that you check them out sheffieldcider.com use code think 10 and enjoy it'll be the best decision you've ever made and i can live and i don't need to do anything for that and everything in this earth like it can feed me and it, it can bless my life so it's like i don't know i think it's really easy to get locked in the ego-centered self but feeling that bigger identity you start to realize that this world is here to support your life everything in the world is here to support your life and feeling that energy and kind of meditating on that identity, I think will really help people that are stuck in nihilism and 
you know, mental health, depression, that type of thing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. realize you're part of something much bigger, you know, like, like relax a little bit. Um, we're all going to die and that's completely okay. Sadhguru also says that death is one of the biggest parts of compassion in this life. Like think mm -hmm. about before you go to bed, how tired you are. And like, what, what if you could never go to sleep? What if you could never yeah. fall asleep and you had to stay awake your whole life? Like that would be hell. And death is just yeah. a small, it's, it's, it's like sleeping on a much larger scale. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think definitely that's it because how I, how I view that is, well, I had, I heard an interview with, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who was on, I think with the late Larry King, you know what I'm talking about? You know, the I, interview I haven't seen that podcast, yeah. but I, yeah. But you've seen the clip. I haven't listened to all podcasts either. I wasn't a huge Larry King fan, but this one came across my feed. Uh, not that Larry King wasn't awesome. Um, yeah. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about how like living forever, like the fact that he's going to die gives him like the purpose to like do something, you know, and not waste time and, and fix relationships and start projects and create something. And, and I think that that's why um, it's great, you know, and then at the same time, it's like, one of the, one of the stoic, you know, I don't have the coins right here, but you know, I carry around like memento Mori mm. and, and that question kind of looms in my head of like, you could leave life at any moment. Let that dictate what you do say and think, you know, Marcus Aurelius said that, and that's it for me. Like, are you want to, you know, if this was it, if this was the last podcast I did, how do I want to go out? And that's I certainly, and, you know, and then for me, the question is, I don't want to be a dick. <laughs> you know, I want people to, you know what I mean? I want I want people to know that at least I tried to tell the truth as much as I can. In fact, Urban Meyer, um, just another quick story before we move on to the next one. Sure. Urban Meyer, great football coach. He mm -hmm. was leaving Ohio State University under some questionable circumstances. And a and a reporter asked him, like, what do you want your legacy to be at Ohio State? And Urban Meyer I don't really, I don't know what happened. I never researched the case. I don't know how it ended. All I know is like this particular moment in time, I heard him say this and I was like, that's very true. He was, they were like, how do you want your legacy to be remembered at Ohio state? And he's like, I just want people to remember that I told the truth and that I did my best. And I, you know what I mean? And he said those two things and I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, that's like life. You know what I'm saying? Very straightforward. Very simple. Don't, yeah. don't get complicated with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I just want to know that, it, you know, because all you have is like kind of like, like your integrity and things like that. Absolutely. Um, so are, so now when you're going through these different, you know, the, this integral theory that Ken mm -hmm. Wilber, you're talking about with Ken Wilber, um, is it kind of like a growth? Is it is it linear? Do you start somewhere and you go up or how does that work? I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's linear. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the call, um, I I personally believe and through my personal experience, I have different parts. There are different parts of myself that I embody at different times. Sometimes I embody the egocentric self. I really need to get something done. And, you know, I'm the one who needs to do it at a certain given time for the greater good. Right. Other times I take on a world centric perspective where I'm like, all right, how is this action affecting the world? Um, like for instance, last year I got, or two years ago, I got an electric car and it's just such a small thing. Right. But um, that was one, one little thing where I'm like, okay, I can make a difference here. So let me make that difference. Right. And so 
the, however, the, the, the cosmic centered identity, I think that is, that's an embodiment that I think if I'm understanding it correctly is associated with higher levels of consciousness. And you hear a lot of people say they had an awakening or they had, you know, an experience of complete bliss and ecstasy and happiness and fulfillment. I personally think that in those moments, you're starting to tap into universal abundance or God or whatever you call it, the spirit. Um, And that's when you start to get a higher level identity of that cosmic centered self. So I think you can tell through people's language and what they're embodying and how they're thinking um, what what level of development they're embodying in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that makes sense. So you kind of like, um, what what is it? Who was it? Carl Jung. He kind of talked about you know, there's like sub personalities or whatever, right? And kind of like sure. yeah. you kind of have this idea. Um, you know, obviously a little bit different, but that's how I'm making it click in my head. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know what with, I mean? With those sub personalities, you embody a different level of development. Sure. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, and and that's kind of the you're, you know, you're more advanced in one area and we're always working to get better in, in things, you know? Um, so that, so that makes a lot of sense when you talk, when you talk about that. So now one of the things that you wanted to talk about and that I love talking about are, are two things, books and people that inspire us. So I'll mm. flip them and start with people who inspired you. Who, who, uh, who do you find uh, inspiration through? Yeah, man, this is such a great question. So when I was 18 years old, um, I actually went to BYU, Idaho before I went on an LDS mission in France. And I had a professor, his name was David A. Christensen, and he taught a class called Personal Achievement. Okay. This class had the most impact of me than any other class I've ever taken in my life. He had us do a creed document where we wrote down our belief systems, we wrote down our goals for life, we wrote down the social mirror, what other people thought of us, what we thought of ourselves. And uh, so that class and David A. Christensen was really the first person who inspired me to kind of wake up in life and set goals for myself. And I accomplished a lot of the goals that I wrote down when I was 18. Mm -hmm. However, I would say the number one person that has made an impact on my life, especially through my spiritual development is Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Now, Eckhart Tolle is the author of The Power of Now and A New Earth. And I remember reading A New Earth and just devouring it, reading it page after page, listening to him on YouTube, listening to his podcast, listening to his talks. And I could feel an internal expansion happening inside me every time I read the literature or listened to him. So listening to him actually facilitated me having an experience of a cosmic identity or, uh, you know, having, uh, uh, kind of like an awakening type of experience momentarily where I really felt extreme bliss, peace, happiness, joy in one moment. And my life has kind of flowered since then. So there are a lot of other people too, that have inspired me, Deepak Chopra, Jin Sincero, Dr. Joe Dispenza, even Grant Cardone in my career, like a lot of people have inspired me, but if I can kind of pinpoint it to one person, it would be, it would be Eckhart. And, um, I have a very special place in my heart 
for him. I'm going to hear him speak in January and in LA and just really excited to hear him. Yeah. But his message and his embodiment expanded me and has just led to the, the flowering of my life since then. That's cool. I, I want to, I thought it was funny when you talked about not funny, but interesting. Sorry. Because when you talk about um, the writing, the creed, you had to do a social mirror. Isn't that crazy? It feels like all the time we're talking, we're thinking about what other people think about us. And then when it comes to write it, did you have a hard time? Like, what do other th- people think about you? I've done that before. And it's like, I don't know what other people think about me. It's like, yeah, you do. You yeah. just don't want to tell me what they, what you think they think about me. Exactly. Well, actually, Dalton, it was an experience where I had to ask other people. Like I had to write, I had to write a prompt to like my parents, to my close friends, to colleagues, people that were really close to me. And ask them basically like what they thought of me. There was a prompt, right? But um, it was pretty similar, you know, like it was a pretty similar message that I guess Mm -hmm. I was sending out at the time. It was mainly positive, you know, a few points of, you know, feedback that were constructive. But it was an amazing experience because they were pretty Mm -hmm. like streamlined, like pretty similar. So I thought that was pretty cool. (laughs) That That is cool. That's a lot of fun. Um, so then I guess with that, then you've kind of talked about, um, I, you know, we have a lot of the same people, uh, Greg Cardone is a, is a salesman. Mm -hmm. Um, he actually started in the automotive industry. You probably knew that though. He started selling cars and like finance and that's where I started. So I heard about Greg Cardone in, in the car business, like years ago. Yeah. He was huge in the car. I mean, that's where he started. So then he goes, well, I want to teach other car salesmen how to sell cars and how to close deals at, at the dealership. Yeah. And then he goes, well, and I wanted to make some extra money. So I did finance. And then he taught, he had a whole finance course. I did, I, I did that. Um, really? And then he got into real estate and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Deepak Chopra, I yeah. almost took his like meditation certification, certificate. Oh, really? Certification. Almost. Yeah. And then I was like, eh, I was like, I want to do meditation. I don't really want to teach it. Does you know? Again, nothing wrong with teaching it. It was just like for yeah. me. I'm like, eh, wasn't wasn't right. for me. Totally, um, I get that. You know what I mean? And and I, it's so crazy. Like, I've never had disagreements on here on podcasts, but I have yeah. had them like out outside when people are like listening, and um, and it's like, well, why did you why did you say that it wasn't for you? And I'm like, well, because like we're all different. You know what I mean? Like we can all yeah. do different things. And uh, and not be <laughs> like yeah. you teach meditation. I think it's great. I wouldn't want to teach it. Yeah, I, I get why you get why people do, and it's That's great. We need them. <laughs> well, listen, listen, man. I mean, we haven't listen. Humans have been around for a long time. Um, we we yeah, have yeah. had we have had experiences of shifting our identity. Like you know, who knows how long meditation's been around? It's just it just seems like something that's a more direct direct path, but it's definitely not something that everybody needs to do or that like, I don't like to make it dogmatic. Like I used to just sit, I used to just sit in the sauna and just chill. And I had similar experiences just doing that, like sitting in the sauna with a lot of heat. My attention started to get more focused. I felt better. And it was like, felt pretty similar to like, you know, seated meditation. So yeah, I'm totally with you there, man. I, I, Hey, I do the, I do the ice bath, man. Ooh. I do like a three or four minute, three or four minute ice bath. Yeah. 
man, have you tough. ever done they did it they do it and i mean they do it everywhere but have you done like the i think it's like 20 minutes in a sauna and then you run out and you do like three or four minutes in an ice bath and then you come back no, and, no, and, run, and jump into the sauna for 20 minutes oh that's a trip that. that's a trip <laughs> so okay so, so have you do you know who james nestor is i do not <laughs> okay so james nestor wrote a book called breathe he also he and then he uh he wrote a book, I think it's called Deep, where he talks about um, like uh, world famous and like professional free divers. So free divers like hold their breath for a really long time and they go underwater. They can hold their breath yeah. for like, I don't even know how long. I don't even want to guess, but it's a long time, like longer than we would think. And then he wrote a book. And I don't know if this is in the same order, but this is how I read them. I read Brett, Brett, Breathe, I read Deep. And then I read the... Uh, Oh, so it's like oh, it's called Get High Now. Nice, and it's and it's and it's without like like he doesn't talk about just with like breathe because you can do like what is it called hyper or uh, so it's a type of breathing, not hyperventilation, but like uh, no, 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 it's like hyper work. Yeah, it's like hyperbolic or I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'm close enough. Okay, yeah. but uh, but I'm like, I need, I need my, I need Ben here. He's my producer. He'll he'll keep Google. <laughs> um, but anyway, he writes this, and one of those is like this breathing is a way to do it. And then in this in the sauna thing, the sauna ice sauna, that's trippy. My brain went crazy. Get mm. in the sauna, twenty minutes, hot as hell immediately like immediately you walk out of the sauna you go right to the ice bath five, four or five minutes in the ice bath you're like this is crazy no, and you thanks. get back out and you go back into it, the hot as hell sauna <laughs> my brain was like doing my brain was doing flips and <laughs> closing my eye you know what i'm saying it was no. it was gnarly so like wim hof stuff like wim yeah wim hof has that type of like really intense breathing through your nose your right. nose your nostrils get like ice yeah. cold I did do a breathwork technique through Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I think is, is he has like a similar breathwork technique that um, Wim Hof has. So yeah. this breathwork technique is basically, I think I kind of talked about it before, but like holding your lower three like abs and energy centers and breathing up to the top of your head and then releasing it after holding it for a few seconds. And yeah. I have definitely had some like out of body like experiences doing that meditation. Yeah. It's been phenomenal. Um, but never, never with, you know, hot and cold mixed in there. I'm sure that would just enhance it even more. Dude, yeah, it was. A, well, no. So, so to get through, I mean, a big part of cold showers or like ice baths, I think cold showers are worse than ice baths. I'd rather take an ice bath, to be honest with you. Really? Um, but, but yeah, so cold showers are fine. Like they don't get as cold as an ice bath, but it's more mm. mental, right? Like, cause you grow up and you're like, hot showers are hot. You know, you get the show, and yeah. then it's not all at once either. Like the water kind of runs off of you, and you get cold at different points. With an ice bath, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what the do they call? It? I don't, I don't want to say it because I don't know if it's offensive, but so I'll just call it like a Dalton cold shower. <laughs> a Dalton where start at warm, where you start at warm, and then you get cold. <laughs> nice. You know what yeah. That would be. Um, so 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 there's that but yeah i think i think um but when you, but anyway to get through this they teach you like how to breathe through the cold 
Because okay. that's the first thing that go. I mean, you've taken. Have you have you done like an ice bath? Uh, I have done not an ice bath, but a cold shower. Okay, so well, if you've done a cold shower, then you know the first thing that goes is like your breath. Mm-hmm. Like you start, like yeah, you start hyperventilating, you can't breathe. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's funny is that's the same thing. So I, I do I do breathing techniques with my kids because oh. funny enough, it's like in life that's the first thing that goes. Like when your mood change, mood changes. Like for some reason, your breath changes. Like you get mm-hmm. really excited. I mean, it probably doesn't change dramatically, like not enough for us to notice. But like sometimes when it does is like when we get scared, our breath changes like dramatically. When we get angry, it changes dramatically. And so I do that with my kids. Like the first thing that changes is their breath. And so like, we, so we do breath work to like mm-hmm. come back down, you know. <laughs> That's amazing, man. That's great. You're teaching like, at a young age. Well, it's better than, you know, I'm Polynesian and. I know my story. I know my story is not different. You know, we didn't. We didn't have. Uh, there was no progressive parenting. That's right. That's right. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. I grew up in the South, and it's similar in the South. Yeah, so. I'm sure it is. Yeah, and that's funny. Yeah, you know, it's true, dude. We nobody had it. It doesn't matter really what you were if you grew up in that age. Like there yeah, were no true. like ADHD didn't really exist. No. You know, it was like. <laughs> It's like you were just being bad, just, essentially. Like yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not like <laughs> you're a bad person, <laughs> right? Exactly, dude. exactly. So, well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me and and uh, giving us all your knowledge, brother. I really appreciate it. So, where can people follow you? Where can people, um, you know, get a hold of you, get involved, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I have a website, um, zachbond.com. Um, I do mindfulness coaching and facilitating, uh, mainly for people who are trying to find their purpose in life, but also those that feel like they have a lot of stress, anxiety, depression, and they have tried a few different things for that and nothing has worked and they want to try meditation and mindfulness. So really for especially those that maybe have a full-time job and they want to either get better at it or they want to transition to something else, just anyone that's looking to uh, become more mindful and less stressed in their life. So uh, zachbond.com is a great place to go. You can sign up for, I've got you know newsletter that I send out each week. I'm also pretty active on Facebook these days. Um, I oh, do nice. write, I do write some poetry now um, just based on some of the, some of the things that I I think about when I'm practicing meditation. So my Facebook page, just search Zach Bond. Um, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active as well on there with posting and things like that. So yeah, yeah, I think social media. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that's how we met. I think, uh, yeah. shout out, who was it? Dave Lowell connected us. Yeah, Dave connected us. Big fan of Dave shout too. To Dave. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah Dave, and right. Dave and I had a very similar conversation. What It's always great. Like when you get on a podcast and, and people like people will ask me to be on the podcast and, and that's fine. But the best conversations I have are the ones where we like organically meet and we introduce and and then it's like, man, this is right. (laughs) That's exactly. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much. Absolutely.